Welcome, everybody, back to Top Shelf Talks Hockey Stripes Edition. I am Chris Gickler, your wonderful host here tonight. We are already in February. I know it's been a few weeks since I've been able to do a cast out there. I've been crazy busy with my day job and also refereeing some really good tournaments here in North Florida. But I thought I'd take this opportunity here, middle of February, to kind of Check in with everybody. I saw some stuff on social media. got a couple emails that I thought I'd share some interesting stories, things, perspectives that I came across here in the last few weeks. Drop a little cast here. So we're going to jump right in here and start talking about some interesting things. I had one question that kind of put it out there for a little bit of clarity was a mercy rule. I know a lot of us out there refing tournaments also adult league or your uh, travel leagues and everything have a mercy rule this individual put on social media it says does anybody know the mercy rule that usa hockey follows it's pretty straightforward usa hockey doesn't follow a mercy rule if you scour the rule book there is no quote-unquote mercy rule call them a mercy rule call it a third period running clock it's a five uh, goal differential normally you either see something that's a five-goal differential or a six-goal differential. I think most have moved to, to five-goal differential because I think really the outcome going into the third period is going to be seen if you're five goals versus six goals. I don't think there's much difference. Five-goal difference, running clock, usually in the third, only applies to the third period. If the team that's down scores to where it's shrunk to four goals, then you go back to stop clock immediately. Timekeepers or parents or whatever, and they're not quite sure. Most of the tournaments, they usually hire, at least down here, timekeepers from the rink. So they're very familiar with the clock. They're familiar with the tournament rules. When you're dealing with tournaments and you're dealing with leagues, my best recommendation is, especially if you're doing a tournament and you're from out of town, which I've done quite a bit, go right to the representative if you're not familiar, A, with the rink. If you're not familiar with that tournament, is go right to the tournament representative and say, can you give me a copy of the rules? Go back to the locker room before you go in for your first game and just kind of scan through to make sure there's nothing weird that might have to be addressed uh, during the game. You know, obviously, USA Hockey rules. Is it checking or no checking? Is it going to follow the checking of USA Hockey, which would be U14 and higher? Minutes are for penalties. Sometimes they'll say, hey, it's a minute and a half where – you know, USA Hockey may have at that time slot a two-minute penalty. They may see two-minute penalties. It just depends. So I rec- highly recommend, especially if you're not familiar with that league or familiar with that particular tournament, is definitely get a copy of the rules. And, again, you don't have to read it word for word. Just scan down through and look for the anomalies and say, okay, it's two-minute. All right, where it looks like we're doing 14-minute periods. Unless it's a higher level, maybe they're doing 16-minute periods. The penalties are this. Checking, no checking. You know, the mercy rule, if it's five-goal differential in the third, whatever it is. And then you also, when you get on the ice for your first game, you get kind of familiar. Because I've done a lot of them where you have like two or three games with the same scorekeeper. You don't repeated games. You score. Hey, have you looked over the rule book? Yeah, I've looked it over. Okay, good. We're on the same page. And then the rest of your day will go pretty smooth. So you're not trying to figure out what the tournament rule versus – you know, the ASA hockey rule, because you know USA hockey rules, because that's what you've been officiating with for a long time, tournament rules. And sometimes the coaches will challenge you, sometimes they don't. Depends on how familiar they are with the particular rules. But that was a good question, because it's not in the USA hockey book at all. It's just more of a local thing to kind of keep things organized as moving on. The second one I came across, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this, this individual, I don't know what there are, but it sounds like maybe he's a little bit more on the new side. And I say new side meaning five years or under. Questioning his accountability, and he's like, hey, how are we held accountable as referees? 
and I know on a previous podcast I've talked about that. He said basically situation one of his games after a score was made where a kid you know seriously did a check from behind I know we've probably all seen it after the whistle gathering your players in front of the goal somebody comes squirting in and boom levels a cross check or who knows what and you know you might have your eye on it might be at a weird angle hey you know this was clearly a cross check you know square in the back not this is a count that he's had after the situation happening on the ice and then I read this and I think may he might have actually not been the ref I think he might have actually been a spectator just from the way that he's wording his third person but he said ref calls a roughing and I know we've probably called you know hundreds and hundreds of roughing calls after a goal was scored or after there's a save made and there's a gathering of players in front of the goal the ref calls a roughing obviously it's probably a two-minute minor penalty for roughing and then the coach comes flying on the ice He's upset about it, that it should at least be a misconduct, or I'm guessing 2-10, and ten, something along that lines. But then he goes on to say that he blame, he laid blame in December. I missed a hit to the head. Well, a hit to the head is it's not easy to see a hit to the head. I mean, it's it's got to be obvious. you got to be at the right angle. You know, what was the hit to the head? Was it just because he did something else and then a hit to the head? But in this case, I guess Coach was upset came on the ice. It was at the very end of the game, according to his account here. Buzzer, you know, final buzzer sounded. He must have had his arm up on the delayed call, and the coach immediately produces frustration to this particular official. And then he says the official was given a talking to, and I'll get to that opinion in a second, but he said that, you know, he should have, there should have been an immediate uh, misconduct. I mean, at that point, Hopefully he has his arm up for something. He said he was going to give him a body check. I, I don't know how this account, how the how the coach could make this assumption at the end of the game when he has his arm up, buzzer runs, and he hasn't even recorded the penalty. So as I read on, I don't, I get kind of confused. But I, I think I'm going back to the core part of it: is how do we hold ourselves accountable as referees and officials? And it's very simple. We have to take it upon ourselves inside us. Say, hey. I missed that call. I'm going to do better next time and work on that. Whether it's their skating skills, positioning, calls, uh, slowing the game down, anything along that lines, whatever you can do and make yourself to try to reorganize that and bring it back in so that the next time you're out there, you're better than the, the time that you went out there before. And it may be that Thursday night, like I did this week, <laughs> you know, D-League game, that literally, like, I'm just trying to stay out of the way. I made one call in that game. It was a slash call. I'll never forget it. The, the, the guy was upset with me, and he he didn't have any right to because he slashed the person, the other guy, across the arms. And I, I don't know. We've all been there that we played. And if you get slashed across the arms, it doesn't feel good. So I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. Even that game there, it was very slow. That's the only call I had. Basically, just stay out of the way, drop the puck, let these guys have fun, all the way from there to – your U18, U19 game. I did a U19 girls game, single A, the previous week. And it was very competitive. We had a really good time out there. The coaches were very supportive. The ladies played awesome. It was really a good game. We had a handful of calls. They were all good calls, immediate calls. So my point being is you have to look inside yourself and hold yourself accountable. And I know that's hard sometimes because we can be our worst enemy when it comes to that kind of stuff. In reality, too, is other officials, 
you know, we have to hold ourselves and our partners accountable and say, hey, what did you have on that? Kind of learn from it. You know, I've been doing this 12 years now, and I have a different perspective on the game than somebody maybe that's only been doing it two or three years. And maybe there's a a referee that does higher-level games. He has a different perspective on it than I. So we learn back and forth. And I've had partners come in and go, okay, what's our standard here? Because I made a call that maybe didn't meet his standard. Maybe it was too weak. Maybe I waited too long or, or didn't call something. Those kind of things back and forth are really how we hold ourselves accountable. And then going back into the officials' room, I mean, going back to that girls' game, uh, there was a little bit of confusion about the abbreviated time for penalties, and we had it wrong. My partner and I had it wrong. We went back to the to the game, and we looked on the phone, and it said, yep, we were wrong. You know what? No, there was no harm, no foul. We were equal about it, but we had it wrong. So the next game, we were like, okay, we had it wrong. Let's fix it. So if we had any more penalties in the game, the second game that we did, which we didn't, surprise, surprise, we would have corrected it and, and had it right the second time. Those are the kind of things I think as officials, we shouldn't, I don't know, the organization shouldn't be giving officials a talking to. I, I kind of makes me a little bit disturbed. I think it's more of an active assessment and it goes back to evaluations and, you know, having an evaluator there, giving positive and uh, feedback to the officials of what they can work on, both in a positive and negative way. I think it goes a long way, especially for new officials that are like one year to three year, as they're moving their self up the chain and levels with USA Hockey. When you get to the third year, theoretically, if you went, for, you know, level one, level two, level three, you know, you have a good grasp of what the game flow is, positioning and those kind of things. And then you need to take it then and start to slow the game down as you get in the higher levels when the game is faster and you're moving around just trying to stay out of the way so you don't get, you know, in, in play and all those kind of things. So, Great question. This person here, I just, uh, the way I read it, I think he may have been too much. He said he went back to Live Barn and looked at it afterwards. And, you know, from Live Barn, you might see something else because Live Barn is a camera that's usually positioned at the red line, um, you know, 15, 20 feet off off the ice. You're down on the ice in position skating back and forth, trying to stay out of the way of the puck and everything else. And sometimes you just don't see it there. So great question by this guy. Um, Hopefully... He's able to build off of what feedback that he's gotten from there. It says, just a reminder for those who have not yet completed their USA hockey requirements, you got 15 days. And that was five days ago, so I guess you got 10 now. That's the Today is February the 18th. I don't know what this person, he said, you have everything done by February 28th or no crest for you. Well, <laughs> pretty much the season's over for a lot of us here. I think his intent was period that you can go through your course requirements. So if you've registered with USA Hockey, let's say back in July or June when they opened it, and you did your open book, did you know a classroom and you know whatever, you have until the end of February to actually finish that part. It gets confusing with that versus having the November 30th date. And the November 30th date is the date that your crest expires from the previous year. When USA Hockey opens registrations for like me for next year, which would be 24-25 season, I am registered and have a crest that goes all the way to November 30th. But when I sign up on June 1st for the 24-25 season, I actually have until February 28th of 25 to complete my training. Now, I would be totally dumb if I waited that long because I can't get assigned games because I don't have a registered crest after 
November 30th. I can't receive games from my league if I don't have a 24-25 crest after November the 30th. You get this guy saying, hey, guys, you need to sign up and get your crest, but really, in all reality, unless you're going to do pond hockey summer or something like that, you pretty much the boat already left the harbor and the season's about over. But that's what he's talking about here. There was some confusion from people and, like, what are you talking about? It was back in November. And anyways, and then I had a couple other things just to try to talk about it. I come across one of my games. Women's hockey is really competitive. If you, anybody out there gets a chance to do games for women's hockey, I highly recommend it. It's very competitive. It's no checking under USA rules. Because of that, I think the girls uh, and women, they, they just, they, they're able to actually have more skill. They're not checking or whatever. And I know USA is moving away from that whole physical piece of it. They got to have a stick down and everything. But it's really a competitive league out there. I was just totally blown away with the, the, the stick handling skills, the skating skills, the passing skills. I mean, granted, every once in a while you have somebody whiff on it, and you're going to get that at any level. The unbelievable skating skills and, and just the way these girls move the puck is just really, really phenomenal. Two games I had were very competitive, and they really worked hard out there, and really it was it was great great experience on one we had kind of a lopsided game in our second one but it was still competitive i mean everybody was skating hard all the way up to the to the last buzzer it was really good to see that uh, we are fortunate that we have a couple of tournaments in here um, that they do the girls hockey from all around the southeast uh, here in jacksonville they come in a couple times a year so also we've got the president's day weekend which is this weekend the uh, cast will drop on president's day and there's several tournaments all around the country for president's day so if anybody's out there doing President's Day tournaments, good luck. Go out there and work hard, skate hard, uh, stay in position. If you see the three Ps after everybody forgets is position, player, and puck, and it goes in that order. If you're in position, you'll see the calls. If you keep the players in front of you, you'll see the calls. And don't worry about the puck until after one and two are done because the puck will be there somewhere. Somebody will find the puck for you, especially after a whistle. But, you know, stick to the three Ps and uh, get out there and work hard. Until next time, I appreciate everybody's support here in the channel. Please subscribe. Pass along to your friends. Uh, We're going to try to start dropping some more casts here. Like I said, we just kind of got run away with us in January and here in February. So more casts to come. Have a great one.